Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. America's inner cities have been flooded with federal money for decades, yet they remain riddled with crime, poverty, and terrible schools. And today, these problems only seem to be getting worse, especially in Baltimore and Chicago. Why is this the case? And what can be done about it? Today, I dig into the facts and shed light on some of the unpleasant truths with a very special guest. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I'm Gianno Caldwell, and I've got an amazing show for you guys this week. We're doing something different, but I think you'll enjoy it. I'm bringing on my dear friend, Kimberly Klasik, who I'm sure many of you already know, to co-host with me this week. Rather than me interviewing her, as I do with most of my guests, we're going to tag team this episode, having a really honest and in-depth conversation. Who knows, maybe even a debate on issues we both really care about. Now, for those of you who don't know Kim, she's a rock star in the Republican Party and the conservative movement. In 2020, Kim ran for Congress in Maryland's 7th District, which includes much of Baltimore, winning the Republican nomination. During the campaign, Kim gained national fame for her creative and hard-hitting ads calling out Baltimore's Democrat leaders for failing the city's residents for decades. Earlier this year, following the campaign, Kim founded Red Renaissance, a new and influential political action committee dedicated to supporting the next generation of conservative leaders. Kim and I will discuss her pack and plans for the future. But first, we dig into the rise in violent crime devastating American cities, the terrible state of education in these cities, and all things COVID. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. Stay in your seats. And with that, I want to bring on my very dear friend, Kimberly Klasik. Kim, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on. This is really, for me, uh, it's an honor and a full circle moment. I remember many, many years ago uh, how we met. You reached out to me on Twitter and you wanted to talk about media. And I was like, wow, okay. 
first and foremost, this young lady is very beautiful. <laughs> like, who is this? Why haven't I heard of her just yet? And we met and had a very friendly conversation. And um, from there, it's been just a tremendous friendship of growth. You've grown in media, and so have I. I don't think I, at that point I was on Fox News. But the little advice I was able to offer you and contacts you took and you blew it up and did something that I've never seen anyone else do. So it's an honor to, to be working with you and co-hosting this show with you. No, Gianna, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, I was just thinking about the fact, I think that was 2014 that we met up and, and you were giving me advice at a coffee shop. I don't know if you remember all those details. Yeah, I do. Starbucks <laughs> on Capitol Hill. I remember that day. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, I went and did the show with uh, with Roland Martin, I believe. Well, Roland Martin, well, One America News Network, and then it was Roland Martin. Yep. But you you just stay consistent in your approach. You continue to push. Uh, we talked regularly throughout, and then you became a big superstar. And I don't know if you recall during that Starbucks visit on Capitol Hill, I said, and I recall, I said. You can be very big. You you got it. You you just got to push through. Uh, star writing, do TV, media, but I think you could be a big star. Remember me saying that to you? I do, I do, and I didn't believe you. I was like, talking point, talking point. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Exactly. But here you are, a big star. <laughs> so it worked out. So I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. So. As we, we talk about what's really devastating, the violent crime in America's cities, it's, it's seemingly always an issue, but it's especially more of an issue now in the, in the wake of George Floyd. And you see how the Democratic Party has been running the country from the White House to these Chicago, you talk about Baltimore, going to Detroit, any of these urban centers for the residents there is hell on earth for many of those folks. And you really made a name for yourself uh, when it comes to Baltimore by shooting film of uh, the, the waste in the city where people were actually living, seeing the, the environment. And President Trump took it upon himself to retweet a number of your videos, and it really put you on a, a, a rocket. No, absolutely. And I'm so blessed. And I feel so fortunate for that happening. But this is why I tell people all the time, like if you have something going on in your community and you know it's not right and you know government can get involved because you're paying taxes and it's their job anyways. What I did was basically take my cell phone and made a couple of videos showing just all of the trash and all the crumbly infrastructure. And I, I kept posting it and I did it for about a week. Um, and then that's when I, I got a call from a producer at Fox News and they're like, um, can you tell us where you are? And I was like, I'm in Baltimore. And she thought I was in another country. She had no idea. Wow. Yes, that's what was so crazy about it. And she said, well, you got to come on and explain. And so I went on Fox and Friends that morning. And it just so happened uh, President Trump was watching at that moment. And, and when he retweeted the videos, he was like, look, I know for a fact we have sent millions of dollars to Baltimore recently. You know, because right after the, the riots that we had in 2015, after the death of Freddie Gray, President Barack Obama and President Trump sent a ton of money to Baltimore and into that area where I took the videos. And I was just showing people, look, they haven't done anything on the ground here, and it's been years. And so I just felt very fortunate that the story got picked up and, and people got to see what was going on. And you've not stopped since then. You ran for Congress, but you're still in the community. You're still in Baltimore. You're still talking to the residents. In fact, we have some exclusive audio that we want to play from one of the residents that you 
you're you're providing for for our show today. Yeah, well, man, I'm scared to go out myself. I mean, uh, you know, we got uh, Baltimore is on um, track for having 300 plus murders in a, in, a, in a year for the seventh year in a row. Crime is up. I can't go to the can't go to the gas station. Gas station people are being robbed at the gas station now when they pull their cars up to the front. I mean, what are we supposed to do here in Baltimore? Crime is, is just out of control. Baltimore is one of the, um, this is one of the more worst cities for crime in, in America. What are we supposed to do? Now, Kim, this, this is your community. What do you think when you hear this? It's the exact truth. And so when we see people coming out and talking about defunding the police, I want people to know in, in Baltimore City, especially West Baltimore, absolutely no one there wants to defund the police. They actually want more of a police presence. And as that gentleman was saying, that the whole carjacking is through the roof right now. Armed carjackings, a lot of juveniles are doing it. A lot of juveniles are getting away with it because they know right now our state's attorney isn't really prosecuting juveniles. So we call it a walkthrough here. You know, a police officer might arrest a juvenile for an armed carjacking, but he's able to go to central booking and walk right out because unfortunately right now they're not really prosecuting juveniles. Um, so it's a very scary situation for those that live here. Um, and we have a lot of senior citizens. They're the ones that actually own their homes in these neighborhoods and, and they're afraid to go outside. Man, that's 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 really devastating. And 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 honestly, you know, you have experienced some of these things yourself. It's not just you're just getting audio. You've been in these neighborhoods. You've lived in one of these neighborhoods before where they were shooting on the block you lived on, right? Correct. Even, I guess it was maybe two weeks ago, we were at an event. One of my managers here at Red Renaissance, they were hosting a town hall. We wanted to actually get people together in a room at a church, uh, Simmons Memorial Baptist Church, and just ask them what were their immediate needs, right? What can we do right this second to cure some of the problems? And so we're all sitting there. We talk. We're there for about an hour. Uh, We go outside. And of course, further down the street, we hear gunshots. It's literally nonstop, right? And, and so a lot of times we talk about the homicides, but we don't talk about the shootings. We don't talk about the attempted murders. We don't talk about the shootings basically heard, and even though they don't hit anyone, but those are attempts on someone's life. And, and so we don't talk about that, but that's ongoing in these neighborhoods. That's, that's terrible. So anything going to happen with the state's attorney there? Uh, so our state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, she's a self-proclaimed progressive. Uh, so she's not actually prosecuting what she calls low-level crimes right now. Um, So uh, she's not prosecuting those uh, dealing drugs, uh, prostitution. Uh, There's like a list of things, and and she calls it victimless crimes. But we know those crimes lead to bigger crimes. Right, they sure do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what she does. But we have violent re- repeat offenders on our streets as well. And so you take a look at what's going on in Baltimore. We have shooters that have been caught with handguns, seen leaving the scene of a crime, and they still just to get to walk free. And it's unbelievable to me. You know, what's interesting to me is we, we talk a lot about criminal justice reform. And when the First Step Act came up, we had a lot of conservatives it was a vocal minority, I should say, a vocal minority of conservatives who were saying, listen, we can't do any criminal justice reform because then you're going to allow those criminals back onto the street. Lighter sentences, crime will will get worse, will become worse. When we heard that, a lot of us, we pushed back on that. But we are seeing crime become worse. But can anyone articulate that that's because of the the criminal justice reform, i.e. people may think that the laws have been weakened, therefore 
the criminals have become really bullish on committing the crimes in, in, in the area. Do, do you think that might have anything to do with it? No, no. And, and I think we're both, we both know Deron Smith, right? That was right. enough Former to, White House appointee. Right, right. And he was the one that authored a lot of that. For me, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? Most of these crimes and most of the rise in crime is happening in cities where you have progressive mayors and progressive prosecutors. So it, it was really criminal justice reform because that was something that happened on a federal level, we would see it in all areas, right? But we only see it in these particular areas that progressives are in charge. So I think it's the fact that they're soft on criminals altogether. I still believe that people should have second chances, especially if it is what we call those victimless crimes. We have a lot of people that come out of prison that want to do the right thing. And I, I believe that they should have the chance to, to do so. Well, I think with that criminal justice reform, the biggest piece of it was the First Step Act, allowing individuals as they're coming out of prison a chance to get caught up on what we got in the tech boom and, and you know getting some skills, understanding how to put their resumes together. And, and so we're not releasing criminals not able to then go and get a job because the last thing we want is for them to end up back in prison. So I thought criminal justice reform, First Step Act, I thought they were both great. I wish President Trump got more credit for them. Than he did. He was the re he was the reason it actually yeah. passed. He was the because the folks the the very uh, again vocal minority on the right because Democrats played a game with it too. So Democrats were all for it. When Republicans got on board, they were against it. They said, "Oh, we can't do it." They didn't want Republicans to get any credit. And then we had a vocal minority on the right. People like Senator Tom Cotton. People like Senator uh, Ted Cruz, who were saying, "Yeah, we don't think." We should be getting involved in that. And Senator Mike Lee, a former federal prosecutor, uh, he was a very big advocate for it. And he laid out some brilliant points to counter uh, all the nonsense from Senator Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. So that that was that was great. Um, however, President Trump was the reason if it wasn't for him pushing it, Mitch McConnell and others as hard as he did, it would not have happened. So he does deserve a lot of credit and I still stand by my statement which I've made in the past President Trump has been the most productive advocate for policy that impacts black folks most we've never seen a president like that on so many issues and one term especially being your first term no Democrat or Republican so he does deserve that credit which we know Democrats will not give him not at all. And, and we saw it on the heels of our first black president, President Barack Obama. And I think that's also what woke a lot of people up in the black community. It was like, wow, you know, we had a black president and, and these are the things that he should have been pushing. But it took President Trump to come along to get it done. So, yes, I, I thank President Trump for doing that. But I really am just so disheartened by the progressives that really feel the need to basically turn everything around and be soft on criminals when they're preying on the individuals living in these dangerous neighborhoods. Indeed. So we talked about Baltimore, but Gianno, I got to ask you, as far as Chicago, um, I know that your homicides are up 53% and shootings are up 63% compared to what you had going on in 2019. It's routine for several dozen people to be shot over any given weekend. And we watched that play out. And I know I see on Twitter all the time just the, the amount of numbers coming out of Chicago as far as shootings. I just got to ask, what are people in Chicago saying about the spike in violence? You know what, Kim? I got to tell you, 
Chicago is my home. It's been my home forever and a day. I will always rep Chicago as hard as I can. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, 75th in Eberhardt, 72nd in Dorchester, 119th in Michigan, all over the south side of Chicago. Love the city to this day, but I am horrified. I am horrified by what I see there on a day-to-day basis, and I'm actually pissed the hell off. I'm pissed the hell off for a number of reasons in general, but I'm pissed the hell off, but specifically around something that just happened recently in my family's life. Last weekend, I was in Italy. I got a call from my little sister on a Saturday. Apparently that Friday night, she was walking with her infant child from the grocery store, infant child, and two people approached her. No interactions with them beforehand, and they approached her, a man and a woman, both adults, and they beat the hell out of her. Oh, my God. Pushed her to the ground, kicked her in her face, kicked her in her stomach, her body, while her child was there, her infant child. He's only like, what, three, four months old. Oh, my God. And then they pulled a gun out on her, and they said, we will kill you and your child. She thankfully lived, but so many people in that same situation, only by God's grace, but so many people in that same situation would have been killed. No question about it. And, and, and never probably would have received justice for it. The Chicago Sun-Times just came out with an analysis showing that since 2016, since 2016, over a thousand shooting victims, 126 that died, there were only two convictions, two out of over a thousand. I think that number was a thousand thirty three, I think, was the, the actual number for the analysis. But since 2016, this is the justice that they're getting. No justice at all. And meanwhile, it, I think, heartens the criminal. I, if I'm not going to get convicted for it, if I'm not going to face any, any real charges for it, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I walk down the street with an AK-47? Why wouldn't I go and attack somebody just randomly? Which is something they used to actually do when I was, I was growing up at times. You'll see kids that would jump on you at the bus, but you weren't losing your life, per se. They may beat, the, beat you up or they may try to rob you or something, but... This is a whole different beast, and it's a satanic one at, at that. So, yeah, I'm really upset by how the direction of my city, I think the, the Cook County prosecutor, she is a big part of the problem. Is that- she's a big part of the problem. That's why so much blood in the streets of Chicago, because she's letting the, the criminals off. 25,000 felony cases dropped, including murders, under her leadership. This is not an American city anymore. It's a third world country. <laughs> with some good people living in it. And it's, it's just really insane. And, and it's shameful where we are at this time in our country. And it's even more shameful that people like the Biden administration who said that they were going to be advocates for for those who, who feel like they've been left out of the American dream. They're not advocates for the people in Baltimore. They're not advocates for the people in Chicago. Joe, Joe Biden is an advocate for any of those people. He may be an advocate for those who are coming in over our southern border, the, the, the migrants that are coming over here bringing thousands of cases of COVID. He may be an advocate for them. In fact, he's probably their president because that seems to be the only folks that he cares about when you have American citizens who are suffering on a day-to-day basis in places like Chicago and Baltimore. It's ridiculous. It's upsetting. And I cannot stand this ish anymore. I'm very disappointed. 
I am so sorry that your cousin, I mean, your family in a total. Yeah, my little sister, my my blood little sister. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm glad that she's okay. I, I mean, I guess the prosecutor there is, is that Kim Fox? Yeah, that's Kim Fox. That's right. County, yes. Kimberly um, so, Fox. So what are Chicago's liberal political leaders and, and people like Kim Fox, the prosecutors, what are they doing to reverse this trend? I mean, we've been, they've been trying to reverse the trend. And look, look, let me not say that. They've not necessarily been trying to reverse the trend. They've been saying they're trying to reverse the trend. However, as I mentioned, if you're going to drop 25,000 felony cases, including murder, then that tells me, uh, and her predecessor closed way more cases and had more convictions than, than Kim Fox. That tells me you're not a part of the, the solution. You're part of the problem. So how we reverse the trend? New leadership. Get rid of the Cook County prosecutor. Bring in somebody who's going to be tough on crime. That can be a Republican or even a Democrat. Yeah. You can have sensible policies that, that can be supportive of those who, who want to have second chances and are willing to put in the work, but punish the criminals and especially those repeat offenders. You can, you can do all of that as a county prosecutor. Ours just isn't. And the mayor is another person. Right. The right. blame game that she's doing. Oh, violence is so bad in Chicago because of racism and and sexism and people. You know, it's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I don't know if these people are ready to start working at MSNBC or what these talking points are really for. But the, it, it makes no sense. It's not based in fact. And I think a lot of Chicagoans, a lot of Chicagoans are upset with the leadership of these folks. And I can only hope I can only hope. That they're going to do the right thing when it comes to election time. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too. In Baltimore, just to give everyone a feel for this, in Baltimore City, 25% of the homicides are ever solved. In Baltimore County, the neighboring county where we have a moderate Democrat attorney, 99% of those homicides get solved. And so you have to look at it and say it is definitely leadership. You say 99% of them get solved? In Baltimore County, only 25% get solved in Baltimore City. Wow. And that's, like I said, they're neighboring counties. So it, it's crazy, and it definitely comes on to leadership. What do you think is causing the surge in crime in Chicago? Do you think that's part of the defund the police movement? You know what's interesting? When it comes to the defund the police movement, I, th I think if we're just purely looking at the numbers, just overall in the country, 63 of the 66 largest police jurisdictions saw increases in, in crime in at least one category. If you saw the Fox News polling, it showed 77%, I believe it was, but it was in the 70, 70 percentile, believe that there's much more crime than that was last year and probably has been in many, many years, decades. I mean, the last time we saw a crime like this, I think really and truly was during the crack epidemic. I think in the 80s, the 90s, especially in Chicago, inner cities, we saw how badly those cities were beaten up by the drug dealers and the gangs that were controlling the, the market of drugs. We saw how, how those things impacted cities like Los Angeles. We saw it in New York. We saw it in Baltimore. We saw it in Chicago. But things did change and get better at a point. But now it seems as though we're back on that trend, which is completely unfortunate. But Democrats have themselves to blame, honestly. George Floyd dying was not a permission slip to say we're going to defund the police or we're, we're, we're going to create an environment where criminals can kind of do their thing and, and decriminalize crime, if you will. 
<laughs> that's the term, right? Decriminalized crime. Yeah. That's where we are now. Democrats across the country have decriminalized crime. Therefore, you see places like San Francisco where they go into uh, Walgreens with garbage bags, steal everything off the shelf while people watch because they have laws in place which says you can't you can't even call. I don't know if it's you can't call the police, but you definitely can't get involved while they're stealing. You got to let them go. This is insanity on every level and not worthy to be in any American city. So when I think about places like Chicago and the defund policemen movement, it's the mentality that even elevates criminals. The fact that they know that the police um, uh, either won't come or if they call they're called, they won't be they won't even engage the criminal in some cases. There's a, a law on the books in Chicago, a recent one, which was a part of their police reform where they can't even they can't even chase criminals now. And criminals can make anonymous complaints about police officers and they can lose everything with no evidence at all. No facts. They can make anonymous complaints of, you know, police brutality, etc. And they'll lose their jobs with no uh, with with no evidence. And that's where we are in this country. And it's a terrible time. No, it really is. And, and that's what we have going on here also in Baltimore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we need to get to a commercial break, but I hope y'all enjoying the conversation. I, I'm certainly glad to have uh, Kim co-host this with me. And I'm really glad that we're able to really talk about these issues. And now that she has this, this pack, Red Renaissance, Kim is endorsing it and putting candidates in place who will fund the police, who will be supportive of criminal justice reform and second chances, but also understand that those who are repeat offenders, you're losing your second chances the more you do this. So you're going to have to be tough and face the, the full penalty of whatever you did. So I appreciate the conversation. We need to pause here for a quick break, but when we come back, Kim and I will dig into the problems with education in Baltimore and Chicago. Back in a moment. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Tired of restless nights? 
Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So it's no secret that inner cities have notoriously bad education systems with failing public schools. You can look no further than Baltimore to see just how devastating an impact these schools have on the community. So what I did is I went and I got some exclusive audio to talk to someone in Baltimore City basically dealing with the poor education system. Take a listen. I feel like there's no hope for our kids. I mean, I have a family. I have nephews that's in high school right now. And 41 percent of Baltimore public high school students earn a below one point GPA. I mean, how is that? How is that helping our kids? How can our kids go forward? Uh, and, and there's no hope that there's no hope for our kids and we need to do something. That is just so depressing to hear from a resident of Baltimore. I mean, what do you think when you hear such hopelessness? You know, what? It, it's it's I think it's been a reality for people in the black community for decades. I think that's one of the reasons why there's been so many people who champion charter schools. There's a charter school in Chicago. It's called Urban Prep. And at Urban Prep, it's, a, it's mostly black, but they have like Latino students too. And I, I know they had some white students that came in at a particular time, but I went to the school to check it out for myself because their biggest thing or play is and that what they're celebrated for is they get a hundred percent graduation. They have a hundred percent graduation rate. So those who come into the school, they stick with them. They do tutor sessions. They give individual learning, and they ensure that these students graduate. Now these aren't folks that they're just passing along because you hear that you're like, oh, so they must be just saying, okay, participation trophy. You get to go to <laughs> you get to graduate high school and get your diploma. No, they're really really working with the students to ensure their individual success. And I think charter schools are a supreme model for good education and individual learning because some of these charter schools end up being trade schools. And we got some brilliant young people across the country, of course. But there's so much, I think, smarts in the hood, if you will. I think there's a lot of kids who may not be proficient, but they're very smart people and could be. So in Chicago, uh, Chicago Public Schools, 26% of elementary schools tested at or above the proficiency level for reading, and 21% tested at or above that level for math. Also, 26% of middle school students tested at or above the proficiency level for reading, and 20% tested at or above that level for math, 18% for high school students tested at or above that proficient level for reading, 19% percent 
tested at or above that proficient level for math. Those are horrible numbers. I mean, I if I was mayor of Chicago, I would be embarrassed that I got all these students in in my in my city who aren't even testing well at the proficiency level. This is an embarrassment in every way. This is exactly why the uh, we got to break the backs of these teachers unions who are secured uh, from being fired in many cases. And they're awful teachers. We got some great teachers out there that go out their way. They spend their own money. They go buy their own supplies. They do. They, they, they tutor kids after school with no additional pay. We got some who really care about young minds. But we also got a lot who don't care. And they just want to get a check. And this is beyond unfortunate that it's been allowed to continue. But we know why it's been allowed to continue. Teachers unions give to Democratic politicians. Democratic politicians mostly run major urban centers. And those folks allow for these failures to continue, thereby creating another generation of individuals who will never live up to their fullest potential. And that's what's really upsetting for me. Yeah, and it's upsetting. And we have similar numbers here in Baltimore. A lot of people don't know this, but in Baltimore City, 9 out of 10 black boys cannot read at grade level. 9 out of 10? Yeah, Sean Hannity talks about it a lot, but people don't really mention it. But 9 out of 10 black boys can't read at grade level. That's an insane number. I know. I know. That's almost like I would think that that'd be almost impossible. 9 out of 10? You would think so, but you know what's so crazy too, and, and I don't know how it is in Chicago, but here in Baltimore City, you know, most school boards you elect your school board members, right? In Baltimore, the mayor actually appoints the school board members. And so of course it's our, our Democrat mayor who appoints basically their friends that continue on with the same agenda that they want to push and help them get the vendor contractors for their other friends and so it's this vicious cycle, and it's, it's almost like the parents have no way of controlling what's going on. And so, you know, when I ran for office, I ran on school choice. And it was interesting because there were a lot of parents that were for it, um, but, you know, I don't think they felt like it was possible. And, and I could see how you could feel that way, uh, just seeing how bad the school system has been, you know, their entire lives. Um, but what's your personal experience with the school system in Chicago? I mean, I, I grew up there. I went to elementary school, high school there. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, like, just like I said, when I was growing up, there was some. I thought there were some teachers that that cared, but you see a lot that just simply there for a paycheck. I remember when I was, I had to be in what third grade? Yeah, I think I was in third grade. I was at Goodlow Elementary School. Was that third grade or fourth? Maybe it was fourth. I don't know. Maybe it was fourth or fifth, whatever. But i never forget this day. I was in a classroom, and this particular teacher, he didn't. He, he was telling me to you know, kind of settle down, stop talking, or whatever the case is. And I was never the kind of kid that would talk back to the teachers because I grew up in a house where we were told you have to respect adults no matter who they are. So, you know, and then you, you have the respect for your teachers anyway. They're teaching you every day and you get sent to the principal's office, some kind of punishment suspension. So I didn't want any of that. And I think I may have been suspended in school maybe one time in my life, maybe, I think. But this teacher who was so offended for whatever reason decided to take pick, come to me, pick me up by my shirt. I'm a little kid. 
and throw me on the desk. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm a kid. I can, and I'm not going to try to fight a teacher. This guy was in his, was in his 20s and I was a kid. But you, te- you tend to see those kind of things happen. And he literally, he had graduated college not that long ago before he had started teaching, maybe like a year or two before. And I'm like, dude, why are you even here as a teacher? If you, <laughs> like you're committing violence against students in a young, a very young one at that. It would be different if you're in high school and you're a senior and, right. and one of the kids trying to get tough with you or something like that. I can understand it going there, but not for <laughs> somebody who's like 10 years old. So those kind of things do happen and is super unfortunate, but that's where we've been for many, many years. So when you talk about the folks in Baltimore who don't believe the school choice can happen is because the, 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 the politicians there have, have chosen that route. So they're a lot more hopeless in places like Baltimore and Chicago that they're going to get a good quality education because they know the teachers unions have everything on lock. And the bad teachers, no matter just about whatever they do, they stay in their jobs because the union is protecting them. And that that's discouraging for parents, I think, all across the country to know that and to know what is being taught in these schools these days. No, I I totally agree. I can't believe he was doing that to you at elementary level. That's wild. Yeah, that, that was oh wild. I, I wish I remember his name because I got a lawsuit coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> He probably is no longer a teacher there. He may have lasted for a couple of years, maybe. I don't know. Or Yeah. Yeah, just got fired. I don't know. And maybe, but I doubt he got fired. <laughs> so he's uh it's terrible times. But this happens a lot across urban centers and sometimes kids do take it there, but as an adult you should know a kid is a kid. So leave it alone and let the let the police deal with it is what they should be doing. Yeah, no, for real. I I just wanted to read a a quote real quick. The late Walter Williams of George Mason University once wrote the following. In 2016, in 13 of Baltimore's 39 high schools, not a single student scored proficient on the state's mathematics exam. Citywide, only 15% of Baltimore students passed the state's English test. And here's the critical part. Money is not the problem. Of the nation's 100 largest school system, Baltimore ranks third in spending per pupil. That's third. So we're right behind, I think it goes New York City, Boston, Baltimore. And, um, you know, it's just wild to me that we get so much money. But how can the education system be failing so much if it were received so much funding? Like, how does that even make any sense? Yeah, I, th- I think you clearly laid it out for us, Kim, when you talked about, especially you being kind of, inner circle in terms of being a political understanding of Baltimore politics. I think a lot of Republicans don't understand Baltimore's politics. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why when you ran, people tried to write you off as like a gimmick and, oh, yeah, she did a couple videos that Trump posted. Now she's going to try to run for Baltimore. Nobody's going to vote for you. But then you created a movement right now. But I think you, you, you set it up for us perfectly in terms of how the corruption takes place follow the money follow the money every time yeah. uh, these folks they get into office then they give their friends these kickbacks these deals and as you said they they do it for the vendor privileges get million dollar contracts mm-hmm. and a lot of times these are their their donors so yeah where's the money where's the money going in the pockets of the vendors and the donor and the donors who donate to get these folks in office and they get these contracts meanwhile 
the unions are still winning big time. Meanwhile, the mayor can say that they care, but you don't see the substance of them caring to change things around in places like Chicago and Baltimore. It's more empty promises and no action. They're derelict in their duties and they fell in their residence. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we get close to $16,000 per student in Baltimore City. That's why we're the third highest per pupil spending. And we still have schools where they don't have heat, air conditioning, and they're still dealing with lead pipes. Uh, so there's a lot of schools, especially on the west side, where kids can't even drink out of the water fountains. What? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're getting a ton of money, but who knows where it's going? I don't know. Yeah, wasn't it some years ago, if I recall correctly, some years ago there was um, a study or it was like a, a maybe like a local TV reporter, local news station went into a school and it was – it was like in the winter and they didn't have yeah. heat. And what was that situation? And has that been rectified? Yeah. So that was our, our last mayor. She was in office, Mayor Catherine Pugh, who's, you know, later was indicted for pay to play. Um, but in, in other words, to your point, to your point, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to your point. Exactly. <laughs> literally demonstrate what you just said. OK, got it. Right. And so it was wild because one of the teachers in one of the schools posted this picture that went viral of all the students sitting there with their winter coats on. And then she took like a picture of the thermostat showing that it was 16 degrees in the classroom. And so because that went viral and, you know, social media is good, you know, in, in a lot of ways, because that went viral, then everybody started questioning what was going on. And um, she said, oh, it must be the school board is, is not making the right decisions. So instead of actually changing out members of the school board, she actually added four more seats to the school board so she could appoint four more friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was well, I think Rahm Emanuel said it best. Never let a, uh, what did, how do you say? Never let a chaos go to waste. What did, how did Rahm Emanuel uh, say? Never let a good, uh, a good crisis go to waste. Right. Never let a yeah. good crisis go. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly she said, man, I see more opportunity to make money. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and the results were she went to jail afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Corruption well, at his best. Yeah, she went to jail for a little bit, and then they released her thanks to the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's interesting. We got out. Yep. Speaking of COVID, let's shift to the latest with the pandemic right after a quick break. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I'm so excited to have my dear friend co-host the show with me. The only repeat guest ever out of almost 50 episodes. Kimberly Klasik is in the house and certainly glad to have her give her vast knowledge on the issues that people care about that are impacting families across the country and really putting the Democratic Party's failure on display a lot of folks uh didn't realize how badly some of these cities were were running and performing and you exposed it all in a campaign ad so i'm so so happy to be here with you and before we went to break before you tossed us to break we were talking about uh you mentioned the mayor and who was released the former mayor of baltimore who went to jail for pay, pay to play and she was released early for COVID. So, you know, it's it's interesting that we're now talking about COVID in a lot of ways. I know there was a lot of folks who felt like, man, most of the country is now vaccinated. We can finally get rid of the mask and go back to our, our lives as we used to live them. I was happy about it. I was excited. I'm sure a lot of the people were. And we were told by Joe Biden and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Once you get vaccinated, you can get rid of the mask, go back to your life, encourage your family to get vaccinated. Uh, or I remember when they said, well, if you had COVID before, then you're going to have this natural immunity to you, you won't be able to get it again. Or you, 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 it's just like that's what it is, just like being vaccinated. And then everything turned. It's like the messaging at the CDC, the White House, local government officials is all over the place. And we saw what benefits they received, and I and I hate to say it like this, but it's true. We saw what benefits that they received in the last election by virtue of locking down the entire country, uh, ensuring there was mass mail-in voting. Uh, they, they did a number of things, and now we're at a place where soon enough we're going to be going into another election, and the, the fear of COVID and the new Delta variant as being dialed up tremendously. So no one really knows what may happen again or if the the country is going to shut down again and go back into a depression after all of what we experienced. What are your thoughts on that, Kimberly? So for me, it's very personal. You know, like, you know, I ran for, for Congress in Maryland 7th. And, um, you know, here in Maryland, we allow unsolicited mail-in ballots. And this is something that Governor Ron DeSantis is trying to tackle in Florida right now. We have supposedly a Republican governor and Governor Hogan, but he's not doing anything about it. Uh, When you have unsolicited mail-in ballots come in, it's not like absentee ballots. It's, you know, these ballots come anywhere. 
Um, it could be a former resident of a home and that new resident could just fill it out and send it back in the way they want to. And then also, unfortunately, in Maryland, ballot harvesting is legal. So we had a lot of people on my opponent's side that would go to nursing homes and other areas and literally just collect ballots for people. And so when you have unsolicited mail-in ballots, if, if they wanted to help somebody that didn't receive a ballot with another ballot, they could just basically request one or even just pick up another one to fill it out for them. So on election night, we thought it was going to be a pretty good night, but the very next day, uh, we had a lot of mail-in ballots counted, and we actually ended up with more mail-in ballots than we did voters in our... Really? Wow. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it allows people to, to basically get into fraudulent activity, but that's something that we should have been tackling in the meantime. And so now, like you said, we see COVID coming back. They just continue to move the goalposts, right? When we first heard about it, it was, oh, we got to flatten the curve, right? It right. was flatten the curve for two weeks. Then it was this and was that, like you said, the vaccine. Now they're telling us, oh, the vaccine doesn't really work. Still got to wear a mask. Oh, now, you know, unvaccinated people, they must go and get a vaccine. <laughs> like, you know, they continue to move the goalposts because I do think now they are looking at 2022, they're looking at the fact that they didn't do anything to secure the border. Like we talked about, crime and violence is out of control in Democrat areas. So it's not looking very good for them. And even when it came to the COVID relief bill, there's a lot of money that is still caught up in that and didn't really make it to those in need. And so if you look at it, the administration, the Biden administration, didn't accomplish a whole lot. So I guess to them, why not take advantage of another election with COVID? Yeah, I think I think that's a, I think that's a, a really important point. And I also want to point out that the unemployment rates in California and New York, which it was at 8.5 percent in California, 8.9 percent in uh, New York, remained significantly higher in February than the national 6.2 average unemployment in New York City was still at 12.9 percent. But, yeah, the, 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 the real issue, I think, for a lot of folks is now. What do they do? We, we're supposed to be not necessarily in a post-COVID world. We're supposed to be in a place where we have the solution to the problem, which was the vaccine. Now we have a different variant. They're talking about passports, uh, COVID passports, which I think is really ridiculous. Like we went from you, you can't. And I know people have made this point, but yeah, you know, we, we can't use identify, have somebody with an ID to go and vote. But yeah, we're going to get your health record passport. <laughs> like It's kind of ridiculous and it's stupid in that way. I don't think that it should be anyone's business if a person is vaccinated or not, unless they want to tell them that. Uh, if you are a person that's overweight, if your person is obese, if you're a person with pre-existing conditions, then perhaps you should be one that wears a mask, definitely get vaccinated because those are a big bulk of the people who died from COVID last year and this year, those who had the pre-existing conditions, they were overweight or obese. And with where we are now, it appears to be a lot of government overreach and dealing with what the issue truly is. It's, you shouldn't require citizens to make a medical decision for themselves. And, and let's also keep in mind, some people have reportedly died after they receive their shots and i'm not trying to make people hesitant from getting a shot i'm not i'm not trying to be the boogeyman on that issue but there are people who are concerned about their health because this these shots have emergency authorization but they've not been fda approved so some people want to 
ensure that the FDA has fully approved it. Not only that, for those who already have had COVID, they're following the science. I, I, I saw a friend of mine just yesterday. He said, listen, I don't I don't need to go get vaccinated. I had COVID. I'm going to follow the science, which the Democratic Party used to be the party of science. I'm guessing that was just a facade at this point um, because they're not following the advice that was been put out a number of times from a number of doctors. Just like when Trump said, hey, um, if you get the hydrocodone, what is it? This is called a, it's a Z-pack. I can't I can't think of how to pronounce it. But anyway, when he said, hey, you take this and, 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 and the survival rate is better and all the reporters, the media and even a number of doctors came out against that. And he turned out to be right. The survival rate, I think, increased 200 uh, percent or something like that after people would have that that particular medicine. And just imagine how many people would have been saved had the media not ridiculed president trump for saying something that ended up being true we could have saved a lot of lives so people aren't really following the science anymore and it's more political in a lot of cases than it is science-based and that's what's really troubling now live decisions are being dictated based on the politics of a governor or a mayor and that's insane no it is and what's so crazy about it i'm one of those people where i'm listening to my doctor so i see an asthma and allergy specialist once a month just because I always have dealt with asthma really bad. And apparently with the vaccine, they have been seeing respiratory issues. So I was told to wait and to kind of see what happens with other people dealing with the same issues that I have. So I personally have not been vaccinated. Um, I also had COVID uh, right when it we really started talking about it. That was in, what was it, March of 2020 when I had right. COVID. Um, and so, yeah, we were told that we would have the antibodies. I, I don't know if they said forever, obviously, but no, I, I know the risk as somebody that's not vaccinated. And I personally choose to take the risk instead of choosing to take the vaccine, not knowing if it's going to trigger an asthma attack and have a bad effect. So I'm going to listen to my doctor before I listen to Joe Biden. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's the right thing to do. Yeah, that sounds like a smart decision. Listening to Joe Biden these days is not worthwhile. And half the time, he doesn't even know he's president. So we, yeah. it's tough to try to listen to Joe Biden on much of anything. And it's it seems as though the media has been protecting him on all his his uh, his his misspeaking, to put it mildly, because some of it is lies. It's not a mis misspoke situation. Uh, and I'm I'm sure with all the new information coming in about about the Delta variant, are you more concerned than you were about COVID previously? Because they say this is a stronger variation of the original strain of COVID. Are you concerned? I mean, I definitely think about it. You know, I travel with my pack every week. And so I meet a lot of new people all the time. But yeah, I, that's right. Because you do events multiple times a week. Yeah. So I, but I also get tested often too so because you have to travel correct and you know the last thing i want is to like give any kind of variant to somebody else so or receive one right, <laughs> right. exactly and you know i have a five-year-old daughter as well so that's true uh we got to just keep you know track of it but you know that's how i choose to live my life and i'm fine with that and hopefully if i get approved to go and get the vaccine i will but for right now, think about it. With Joe Biden in his town hall, what was that, two weeks ago? 
he was telling people on stage, look, if you get vaccinated, you can live life normally. And literally within days, he completely changed his tune about it. Yeah, and that's, we don't need that kind of leadership, especially when there's a public health emergency. And let's also keep in mind, Joe Biden ran on a platform that uh, Donald Trump mishandled COVID. And and I'm going to be honest, there was some, I, I don't think he, he took it seriously in a way, but when he came out the hospital, I just thought he did too much. I thought, he, like, he, that should have been his point where he's like, you know what? This is a serious disease. Folks, wear your mask, et cetera, et cetera. And that gave the Democrats and the media more uh, more sound bites for them to play over and over and say that he didn't take it seriously. So I, I thought when he came out, President Trump came out the hospital and he did the one on the balcony of the White House with oh all the gosh. music and the sound. That was like, bro, you doing the most. <laughs> like, well, no question. Doing the most. Yeah, <laughs> you could see he could not breathe up there. Right. He was for air. I was really nervous because, of course, I think asthma immediately. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but yeah, no, I, I think he he probably could have done a little bit more to say, look, you know what, I got vaccinated and and it is serious and something that we should all just stop politicizing. But you know, I, I look at it as President Trump, no matter what he says or does, he's going to get bashed. So, yeah, that's that's been the case. Uh, but he's also given some reasons to bash him, too. I think that would be one of them. And as much as I support the policies in which he passed on a number of occasions. I'm still willing to call him out wherever necessary because that was just not, <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. But but that's <laughs> here nor there. What do you make of people at like uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio essentially saying unvaccinated people won't have access to the same places and freedoms as vaccinated people? What, what do you make of that? Um, I feel like that's the new form. It's like modern day segregation. Right. Mm. I mean, it's that's wild. I, I saw the mayor in Boston, black woman, Democrat. She said, how is this any different than asking slaves for their papers? Right. I mean, it's to me, it, it's segregation. It's like, OK, here are the unvaccinated. Here are the vaccinated. They already seem to want to shame the unvaccinated. I, I think it's a personal choice and I don't think we should be taking it down this road. But Mayor Bill de Blasio, I mean, I'm never shocked at the things that he says and does. Yeah, it's 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 gotten to the point where we just already know he's a he he lost his way a long time ago. I don't think he ever really had it, but <laughs> and, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some Democrats out there where I'm like, man, this is a good. Per-. I've had Democrats on the show where I'm like, okay, this these are good people. These are really cool people, elected officials, and everything. They're like good hearts. They want to do the right thing. We may disagree on politics or a particular policy, but they're good good people and you know they're well-intentioned and i don't know how well-intentioned bill de blasio is I, I i don't necessarily see see that you don't force people to make medical decisions i i, I just i'm just really against that and democrats are supposed to be the party of choice right. and they're giving us no choice <laughs> you know I, I respect the person's desire or wishes not to get vaccinated just like i respect somebody who say i want to be vaccinated i've not been vaccinated i've had covid before so I'm okay. I'm comfortable with not being vaccinated. I'm not comfortable with being shamed for not being vaccinated. And leaders, like you say, they got to stop, throw the politics away, just give us the science and let us go on from there. You know, it's a serious health issue. Got it. Uh, Wuhan lab likely came from the Wuhan lab, the one in which the, the CCP certainly 
probably in likelihood a hand in just based on the reporting that we've seen have has come out. And certainly it was if this is the case, if the reporting is correct and accurate that the this came from the Wuhan lab, uh, then China certainly was looking to decimate the U.S. economy and whoever else. And as a result of covid and the lockdowns, their economy will overtake or at least is uh, scheduled or predicted to overtake the U.S. economy uh, in this decade. So with these different variants, I wonder, you know, where could this have come from? But Democratic politicians are helping to stop the progress of our country economically, giving China a, a front row seat or rather in the driver's seat, if you will, to win over us economically, which brings me to another statement here. When the data is clear, the red states that opened up from the lockdowns quicker did better economically. As Politico reported in late June of the 15 states that have returned to pre-pandemic levels of economic activity, 12 are led by Republican governors. Of the 10 states reporting the lowest level of economic activity since January 2020, seven are run by Democratic governors. Economics, folks, is it's you have to be able to take care of your family. We cannot live on the government. I know there's a lot of folks who received a bunch of unemployment. They may have gotten some PPP money. And they, somebody that I, I know I, I saw in uh, L.A. recently said, man, that was the most money that I ever made on that unemployment. I wish they will bring it back. No, folks, <laughs> we got to get back to self-reliance. And we have politicians who are creating an economic situation that is destructive to families. What do you think about what's going on with them shutting down or have shut down and possibly about to shut down local governments or rather cities and states again? What are you what's your your take on that, Kim? I mean, it's a scary thought. Everything the government has ever touched or run, I believe, has just been a disaster. I can point to many times in history where that's happened. I think the biggest one is, is 1965, where it really affected the black community, in, in my opinion, is when Basically, the government asked a black woman to marry the government rather than the father of her child, right? We saw basically the welfare state come into play. And that has devastated our communities since then. And then you compound that with the 1994 crime bill. It's just everything the government touches to me just ends up being more of an issue. And then they try to say, oh, we need more money to fix this issue. And that's what they run on. It's the same old cycle. And it never benefits, I don't think, we the people. I mean, right here in, in Maryland, we have a lot of people that are still on unemployment because, like your friend said, they're making more money sitting home. And so we have some businesses, especially the well, rest I don't want to say friend. Maybe I misspoke. <laughs> Someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have <laughs> without acquaintance. Uh, <laughs> people be like, them your kind of friends? <laughs> no. <laughs> we have some restaurants here in Maryland where they are having a hard time getting people to come back to work. Um, because they are making more money on unemployment. Luckily, Governor Hogan is saying by uh, September 1st, uh, they're no longer going to be given you know, so much in unemployment to make people come back to work. He ended the eviction moratorium saying, look, landlords need to pay their mortgage, and so you got to pay your rent. And that's how it should have been from the get-go. It should have never gotten to this point. But, of course, I think, I, I think like a Republican in that sense. Um, but 
you know, for me, it's it's just a no win. And we look at states like Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis, and they were able to continue moving. Those people down there seem to be doing just fine with things are, you know, as fine as economically. We look at the Delta variant now, and people are saying, oh, it's, it's more in Florida, Texas, and I believe Louisiana. But I, I have to say with that, we know it came in from out of this country. I think they pinpointed to India. But we have our southern border wide open right now. Yeah. So when I look at that, I'm like, well, is this really serious? If it's really serious, why do we have our southern border wide open? If it's really serious, why are, didn't we do anything in the meantime to prepare us for possibly the variant and another pandemic? I ran on basically bringing the billion-dollar medical equipment industry back to the states, particularly through the Baltimore City Port. But we did not do anything to beef up our equipment industry as far as medicine here during this entire time that we're trying to rebuild from the pandemic. And then you see President Joe Biden put out a tweet saying, oh, we've we've got the most jobs back on the market this past month. And it's like basically he just he's taking credit for jobs that are being replenished that were taken away in the beginning. Right. They're not going back to work. Right. They're not new jobs. They're not new careers. So it's, it's a disaster to me. But maybe that's just my take. No, I think that's the take of a lot of other people. Very cogent point. Now, I want to shift now from the issues of the day to what you're up to, Kim, and what you got planned for the future. But first, let's take a quick break. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back to Outlaw with Gianno Caldwell. I got Kimberly Clasic co-hosting the show with me. First time ever doing this. It's been quite fun, certainly auspicious commentary. This is one of the shows that I think I'll forever remember because 
I enjoy doing co-hosting. I really do. I'm actually co-hosting on a Fox News channel here next week. But I, I really appreciate having just the various viewpoints and being able to kind of toss things back and forth with somebody. So thank you for doing it, Kim. But I want to, before I let you go, ask the question that everyone wants to know from you, which is, will you be running for Congress again? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. This has actually been a lot of fun being able to just talk candidly. But yeah, we, we plan on running again. We left a million dollars in the Treasury to, to do so. We were so fortunate to have support from all across this country, from amazing people. And then to have the support from the Trump family, we raised over $8.4 million in our race. So we were allowed to, we were able to keep some money in the bank to, to continue. It's going to take time. Baltimore City, like Chicago, it's, it's tough. When you've been under Democrat one-party rule for 50-some years, it's going to take time for people to change their minds and say, wow, you know, maybe I should vote differently. But for us in Baltimore City, in that part of the district, usually a Republican gets 3,500 votes. We were able to get 14,000 votes. And we did that in a, in a pretty short amount of time because our, our viral ad didn't go viral until mid-August. And so we had until November 3rd to really just take it home. So I think, you know, now that we still have time, we're still in the community. I have a team out there right now registering voters. There are actually 74,000 people in Baltimore City that are not registered to vote at all. And so that's a big chunk and it's a big number where I know there's a lot of people saying, look, things aren't going the way we thought things were going to be going at this point in time in 2021. We're, all, you know, we're going backwards in a way. And so the more we stay out there and stay relevant and making sure people know that we're there for the community, we took a bunch of kids from West Baltimore and sent them down to West Virginia to summer camp this year. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, just give them something else to do and great exposure for them. Hopefully they'll go back each year. Been donating and helping out at many churches in the area. And just doing the things that anybody would do that's able to lend a helping hand. So we're definitely going to run again. We're looking to run in 2022. But if it ends up being 2024 where we make the biggest ground game, then we'll just take our time and do what needs to be done so that we can win. But at the end of the day... I'm never giving up on Baltimore. You know, I hear all the rumors, oh, Kim's going to go to Florida. She probably is going to go run in a, in a district where it's easier to run. And it's like, no, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I got into this. This is about changing Baltimore. There are people that have hope, dreams, aspirations to do more. And I want to make sure that they have the opportunity to get to the American dream just like everyone else. And so we're going to continue to run. I'll probably wait a little bit to announce, uh, probably towards February of next year because I am working on my pack and you know the FEC rules you can't do a pack and be an announced candidate at the same time so we'll we'll take our time on that well thank you for giving us that exclusive Kimberly Klasik is running again and you know one thing that I appreciate I think you have it uh, I mean obviously the star power but I think you actually care and that I think that resonates with people more you actually care and I've known you for years and I know that you care because we've been talking about this stuff for years yeah. before you even really hit the scene in, in the in the media. So thank you so much for all that you do. And the GOP should really be taking note because yeah. instead of trying to go to an area to win a race one time, especially when you're talking about urban centers, you got to be in the community. You got to stay there. You don't just win the race from one election most times when you're trying to win an urban seat. 
you got to let the people get to know you. They got to have conversations with you, feel comfortable with you. And whatever political boogeyman the Democrats will use, people will look at it as BS and say, you know what? I know her. She's a good person. I don't believe that. I want to give her my support. I met her. I believe in her. So continue doing that. And I hope you're still pushing the party to get involved in a lot of these races. But certainly you're, you're using your pack to create the wave versus chasing it with the RNC. So, Kimberly, where can people find you? So on Twitter, I'm at Kim K Baltimore. And on Instagram and Facebook, it's Kimberly Klasik. I'm on LinkedIn, but I mean, that's not fun. Let's be honest. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's Kimberly Klasik there, too. Okay, we'll be sure to follow you on all, all social media. I want to thank you again for co-hosting the show with me. And I look forward to what you have coming up and certainly doing more of this with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And keep up all the good work you're doing, too. It's definitely appreciated. Thank you, Miss Kimberly Klasik. I appreciate your time and talk to you very soon. I want to thank my dear friend Kimberly Klasik again for co-hosting with me this week. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash outloud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producers, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.